Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, a Business Examiner News Group podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode's special guest is the CEO of the John Cooper Group, one of Nanaimo's leading real estate experts. He provides us with an analysis of the central Vancouver Island real estate market, his unique entrepreneurial journey to Vancouver Island, background in mixed martial arts, and much more. Our conversation starts now. Yeah, I'm John Cooper. I'm the CEO and operator of the John Cooper Real Estate Group based out of Nanaimo. We are currently brokered by eXp Realty. We've been serving the Nanaimo real estate market since early 2008. I was lucky enough to launch in the crash of 2008. We are based out of Nanaimo. I actually have an office in downtown Nanaimo, uh, right in the right in the city center. And we serve as far north as Qualicum and as far south as Mill Bay. But I would say the bulk of our business is focused on residential real estate in Nanaimo. Dabble uh, in some commercial, mostly buildings and land, not so much leases or business sales. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that now for since for 15 years, and uh, we love it. I love what I do. Awesome, John. Well, I really appreciate that. And I've been looking forward to this chat for the past couple of days. Um, just in, I've got to know you over the past couple of months. It's been very cool just to learn about your own perspectives and your approach, especially to marketing uh, yourself. And I wanted to dig into a little bit to start things off, just the local real estate market, kind of what you're seeing uh, in the Central Island area, the Nanaimo uh, region there. Um, you kind of see the headlines about, um, you know, there's always negativity in the news, but I'm wondering if you can just kind of speak to what you're seeing from the buying and selling locally. Well, the story that the market is uh, crashing is a much better headline than what's actually going on, as I'm sure a guy in media can appreciate. We've seen some dramatic changes in the last 12 months in what the market's doing. But I mean, I'm just just about to release my uh, my March review of the stats that came out yesterday. And what the what the stats tell you is, uh, yes, it's we're way down from one of the most craziest record breaking years in the history of real estate. But when you contextualize the data over a 10 year or even a 20 year set of averages, it starts to actually look like a pretty good year, you know, and as a guy that uh, started in the downturn of 2008, which was a uh, an actual depressed market extreme buyer's market that lasted until 2013, as much as there's been a dramatic change in the market, it's not all that bad. You know, our listing inventory is up, but it's still not anywhere near what would equate a buyer's market. So we're actually in balanced market conditions uh, in residential single family detached that uh, even leaning towards you know, we're at the bottom end of a balanced market, which means that we're closer to a seller's market still than we are a buyer's market. I'm more optimistic about Central Island over as far as the Canadian real estate market goes than anywhere else in the country. And there's a number of reasons why, you know, most notably the migration patterns of baby boomers and and immigrants really tending to favor the favor in Western Canada uh, and the affordability of Central Island. So, you know, it's going to be a challenging path forward. The next 18 months are going to be uh, are going to be hard months. But overall, I think uh, Central Island is going to do better than the rest of Canada. Awesome, John. I appreciate that. And uh, just in the lead up to this conversation, and obviously, you, you know, say what, as little or as much as you'd like on this, but you've taken a different approach to or a newer approach to how you are building your personal brand and, and developing yourself as kind of the go-to real estate guy. I wonder if you can kind of speak to how that approach has shifted in a different market than last year. 
I'm not sure our approach has shifted all that much. You know, I mean, uh, you know, my my approach to real estate is um, has been, I would say, a little more. It's a new school style of real estate, I would say. Like when I started, I got trained by, you know, some of the old timers, which I would say are come from a traditional sales background, you know, scripts, objection handling, uh, sort of say whatever you need to do to to get to the to the trade. And and given my background, that never felt uh never felt authentic to me. And so I really showed up with much more of a, of an advisory consultant approach. You know, I'd spent a few years after my business degree, actually doing strength and conditioning consulting for combat athletes. And that's where I developed, you know, uh, just a, a really good way of doing the consult to define the problem and then working with the client, uh, in this case, uh, an athlete, but in modern day, a, a real estate owner to develop a plan to get them from where they are to where they want to be. So, you know, that approach is, is, um, wasn't all that common when I started. Thankfully, it's become a lot more common. Uh, and, uh, as the professional expectations of a real estate professional have elevated quite substantially in the last decade and a half. The, those that are doing well have also has to elevate their skill sets. And, and so, you know, for me, I think as much as the markets change, it's, it's uh, our approach is the same. It's relationships first. Uh, and uh, we really don't focus on sales. We focus on results for our clients. Sometimes that results in sales. Sometimes that just results in great, great guidance for someone that there's no sale at the end of it. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just keep showing up, providing value and, uh, and it all comes out of the wash. And so far that's been a, a successful approach. One of the things that I have, uh, noticed in some of the, your social posts in the past is talking about the importance of looking at multiple realtors. And I think I'm speaking anecdotally when I first, when I went to buy my first place, you know, four to five years ago, I did not do that at all. And it, it did create some challenges, especially when I went to sell that place that I bought. So I'm wondering if you can just kind of speak to how you work on educating people about how to make a good choice there. Sure. Well, I think that real estate's a really unique industry. And, and I, you know, if you follow any of my content, I've kind of broken record a lot of this stuff, but for the purpose, let's assume your audience doesn't follow me. Uh, and if they do, it's Island agent on most platforms, but uh, let's <laughs> assume they don't. And um and in most industries, when you go to, let's take getting your car, uh, performance improvements in your car, right? You're, you're into race cars and you want a performance approval. If you go and look at the mechanics that are going to do that, there's going to be various levels of experience, various levels of expertise, various levels of tools and equipment they have access to. And you're going to find the less experienced ones that are maybe the backyard shop versus the established shop. You're going to find the, the guy that's less experienced that doesn't have the tools charges less than the guy that has a ton of experience and has a ton of tools. You know, the guy that's brand new in the business versus the guy that's 20 years in the business, you're going to see a price differential on each one of those. Real estate doesn't really have that. You know, the industry's kind of decided to let the brokerage dictate the fees for the most part. And, and as much as there's no standard fee in real estate, the reality is if you interview the bulk, the majority of agents in any given market, you're going to find that the majority of them are charging a pretty consistent fee. And it's a high fee, especially as, as, as home prices have gone up over the last 20 years. So has that commission rate. 
So the consumer is left with not a lot with basically, well, you have a license, you're with Remax, Royal LePage, whatever brokerage. So they're sort of assuming competence just by virtue of the license. And that's where the mistakes made. You know, the just because someone has a license, just because someone's a mechanic doesn't mean that they're the best mechanic. And if all mechanics were to charging the same rate, you wouldn't just walk up to the first mechanic and say, you're my guy. You'd be like, geez, all these mechanics charge the same amount. I'm going to find the best one. And so that's what I'm trying to encourage the public to do in real estate is this isn't, and and when you look at real estate, there's a lot on the line. You know, the example I like to use is if you were liquidated, if you had a million dollars invested in stocks and you were considering liquidating that million dollars and reinvesting it elsewhere, you were looking for guidance to do that. You wouldn't just be like, well, whatever, this guy's got a trading license. I'll just pick him, right? You wouldn't just say, well, my uncle Jim's cousin's got a license. So I'll just, or my buddy from the gym's got a license. So I'm just going to use him. You'd never do that if you were dealing with real cash. And I, and for most of us, our biggest investment, the most amount of equity we have in our lives is embedded in our home. So if you're selling your home and buying another home or liquidating a home that you've been lived in, it's the same as reinvesting that kind of money. So I'm just encouraging people to be as strategic about their housing decision as they would be as if they were investing the same amount of money in the stock market and to interview multiple agents and lean into experience, lean into reputation, because you're likely are going to pay the same to whomever you use. So unfortunately in real estate, and this is my consistent message, is the onus shifts to the consumer to do the due diligence. Whereas in a traditional market, you can let price tag, you know, somewhat influence you. Like this guy is clearly has, is busy. He charges more than everybody else. He's been doing it for 20 years. This adds up, something must be good. And so that's really my message is do your due diligence because we tend to charge the same fee, but the the gap in, in, in outcomes is substantial. Yeah, I very much appreciate that. And and I can tell you that aligns perfectly with my own personal experience in real estate. Second time around, fantastic experience. Um, to close out kind of the real estate chat side of things, I wonder if you can give, uh, I guess, maybe your expectations for what kind of what the rest of this year is going to look like. Sure. The way I like to answer this is, you know, we all have a crystal ball and, and uh, you know, whatever, my crystal ball might be wrong, yours might be right. But, you know, the question I ask is, okay, if I was a gambling man and I had to predict the future right now, would I be putting my money on prices uh, going up, prices going down, or prices staying the same? You know, if I had to pick one, which one would I put my money on? I have to say I'd probably put my money on prices going down. I'm putting my hopes on prices staying the same, but I probably put my money on prices going down. Do I think in Central Island they're going to go down a lot? I don't. Actually, as I said before, I think we're going to fare better than anywhere else in Canada, but I don't see prices going up. There's really nothing pointing to prices going up. Yes, we haven't seen a dramatic rise in inventory yet that would lead to prices coming down, but we haven't seen a dramatic rise in demand given interest rates where they're at and where they're expected to go that would that would equate for prices to going up. So I'm thinking they're probably going to stay the same, maybe go down a little bit, uh, and I think they could stay the same and or slightly down from the, where they are now for quite some time. And if we look at the history of the central island real estate market, 
we are the tortoise in the race of re of real estate values. You know, we've always been the slow and steady market, minus three to plus six percent. And what I love about that, and you know, trading here during a long stretch where prices stayed the same, is it's sustainable. If we can stay in that minus three to plus six percent, sure, no one's gonna get rich in two years like some people did in this market we just came out of, but it's we don't have to worry about the volatility. And in my mind, in a place where I help people make decisions, frankly, that are basically motivated to provide a safe sanctuary for them and their family, stability is something that we need to embrace. So, you know, that's my, that's where, that's where my predictions lie is one of, uh, of one of uh, slow growth, uh, maybe slightly down, but steady and sustainable. Confidence instilling, no doubt, for those uh, currently or planning to invest in the Central Island. I do want to jump into a little bit of your background as well. One of the things that I've always found interesting about you and, and other business people in general are what are the hobbies and the things that kind of drive just a different side of them. And I know that you have a bit of a connection to MMA. I enjoy seeing those posts when you when you put them in to social there. I'm wondering if you can just give a bit of a background about kind of how you ended up in Nanaimo, what you did for a career beforehand and, and how you got to where you are now. Sure. I did my business degree in Kelowna. So I was born and raised in South Surrey, White Rock, and then uh, traveled a little bit after high school and then thought, man, if I'm going to focus, I need to get away from my friends because there's way too much uh, trouble to get into here. Uh, so I isolated myself up in Kelowna and uh, jumped into a four-year business degree program up there. And my last two years, I started working uh, for a software company up there. And so I was going to school, working at a software company, and was starting to put on some weight, uh, which led me to, uh, I found a, a gym back then. It was uh, MMA. wasn't a, wasn't a sport that existed in the real sporting world. It was very underground. We called it uh, no holds barred. Uh, the club I went to was called, it was a submission fighting club. It was Toshido submission fighting. And uh, I walked in the doors there after watching a bunch of early UFC VHS tapes. Cause I didn't, couldn't afford cable. And there was a, a video store near my house where I could rent five videos for 99 cents every Tuesday. And so I'd stock up on these old UFC tapes, watching those tapes, saw jujitsu, saw Hoyt's Gracie and all that. And this club had jujitsu. So as being a very resourceful and practical guy, I thought I'd never, never work out in a gym, but if I could learn how to fight, uh, maybe that'll get me some exercise. So that's how I started in, uh, in my last year of business and MMA at that time was uh, very, very unpopular. No, most people didn't know what it was, but I fell in love with it. It took over my life. Uh, and then I went into some businesses. I actually ran an MMA gym for a little while, but of course, back then there was zero money to be made uh, in that. I had an MMA clothing company. You know, this is back in the days when like tap out and warrior wear was like a thing. So I had a company called Combat Athletics. And uh, so we were running under that brand. And it was, you know, I, that was my labor of love uh, thing. It got, but it, what it did was get me uh, involved in that sport graduated out of the of the business of that decided you know even if i kick ass in in uh in the business of mma there's not really any money in it so yeah, i'm gonna pick a race worth winning was my mentality and and uh long story short i went back to school i thought i was going to become a real estate appraiser i got within two courses of finishing my appraisal program and thought i'm gonna hate this so i had a marketing degree two years of appraisal. And uh, so that's what kind of led, geez, I guess I'd be a pretty good real estate agent. And uh, my partner at the time and I were wanting to get out of the lower mainland. And so Kelowna, we were considering, Comox, we were considering, Nelson, I I, I liked small city life. My um, partner at the time had done some um, 
at Malaspina here in Nanaimo, now VIU. So she said, well, what about Nanaimo? I looked on a map, thought, yeah, this looks pretty decent. There looks like I love, I grew up boating with my dad. And uh, so I thought the boating looks good. I love the outdoors. I, you know, could see nothing but, but trees everywhere. Thought this seems like a pretty, yeah, sure. Let's go there. Uh, and uh, sort of never looked back as, as you, as you probably know, John, I'm a huge fan of Nanaimo. I love this place. If I won a hundred million dollars tomorrow, I'm not leaving Nanaimo. I'd stay right here. This is just the best of both worlds community. So that's kind of how MMA and, and real estate went to uh, ended up here. And and then actually the, the, where that gets a little more interesting is I happened to come into Nanaimo and Nanaimo at the time, uh, mixed martial arts, combat sports were, were municipally regulated. They're provincially regulated now, but at the time they were municipally regulated. So here I was in Nanaimo. It was one of only three cities in the whole province that had an operating athletic commission. So I got my real estate license, signed on with Remax, signed up for the big, the desk fees and the market had crashed. And I had signed up for this expensive business because those of you don't know, Remax doesn't hire you. You hire them and they charge you a, a big monthly fee to hang your license there. And, and uh, so I had baby on the way, just bought a house and uh, the market had tanked. So here I was in a town that had the only functioning athletic commission uh, one of only three in the whole province. And so as a way to make money, I decided to host some MMA shows in the city. And I hosted four King of the Cage events here in the city. Three of them broke even. But the the uh, the second one I did, I basically sold out Frank Crane Arena. And uh, Nick Hinchliffe was the local fighter who was like a four to one underdog in the main event. And he knocked out this guy, Travis Galbraith from uh, from Alberta. And uh, it was a place erupted. It was just and I walked out of there um, with a, a backpack of cash. Uh, and uh, that was my portion of proceeds along with my business partner. And I used that money to buy my first website and and start uh, basically uh, subsidized my in the first year in real estate from the proceeds of that show. And then uh, real estate started to take off and I couldn't afford the opportunity cost of the time to run the King of the Cage events, especially when they were breaking even. So I moved on from that. And uh, but MMA has had a massive impact on my success, both in funding it, like I just described, and certainly uh, in the way that I approach business. Awesome. John, that is so cool. I very much appreciate that background story. And I just I really love to hear that because I remember looking at like old photos of the bulletin right? Or the, yeah. the Harbor City Star at the time. And I'm, you, I had no idea what the UFC was. It took me a couple of years to get into it after that. Yeah. It's amazing what it's become now, what it's become. Like, I, I had no idea that it was, we, we knew it was going to be big back in those days and we never thought it would be as big as it is now. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot too quickly. It just came to mind when you were talking. Now this interview is going to go live next week, but any yeah. predict predictions on the John Jones fight tomorrow night? Because I got a whole bunch of people, <laughs> whole bunch of people coming over to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think John Jones is going to take that fight pretty easily. I'm not sure where the. I've been waiting to see where the odds land up. Not not that I bet, but I'm always interested to see where the where the popular opinion lies. But I am imagining he's going to be. I would put him as at least a two to one underdog, and I think maybe when the dust settles, it might be closer to three to one but that's my own opinion i don't have any data to go off of on that so i'm, I'm predicting jones with a pretty decisive win especially i was just looking on the i mean i, I follow this stuff at a, it's the only sport i follow john so i don't do any i don't hockey i don't football i only follow mma a little bit of you know boxing maybe and and uh and a little bit of um of jujitsu but um looks like um cyril gone's got an injured hand potentially so 
you know, you throw all those things together. I mean, I think Cyril Gaon needs everything to go right for him to for him to win that fight. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely uh, believe John Jones to be one of the best fighters of all time, uh, both from he's physically made for it. He's mentally made for it. And he comes from one of the best training camps uh, in the world. So, no, that's awesome. And I appreciate it. Uh, and you're very close on the odds. It's minus 170. So very close to two to one. I will get you out of here shortly here. we got four questions called the final four that we ask each interviewee. Can I start off and get uh, your favorite book? This There's no parameters on what it could be, personal, professional, whatever. Well, I pretty much only read nonfiction business books, so uh, it's pretty easy for me to stay in that lane. Uh, the two books that probably have been most impactful on my business career there are, and they're both relative, relatively new. One I've got in front of me here, I'll hold up, is... Uh, traction by uh, by Gino Wickman. This is basically an operating system. It was influenced by another book before I found this one that I loved called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. And uh, this is really the Bible in terms of operating system. For those of us that run entrepreneurial companies and feel like there's no escape from the chaos. And then you get into a book like this and it really helps contain uh, the chaos and gives you an operating system, the way to think about how you're going to run your business through a lens that really makes sense of the chaos. And you can start to create systems and processes, even what seems like an inescapable chaos. So that's top of my list. The other one is This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I'm a big Seth Godin fan. And that book, I think, is his most recent one that really, um, I think, for if you're looking at what's going on in social media and what's working i think that book really sets you up for success with a lens with which to think about content creation around and if you read it you'll you'll see how my content's heavily influenced by it awesome yeah no and i i haven't read the seth one but the traction i have and there are some big businesses on vancouver island that employ those strategies so it's very cool to hear that next one best personal advice that you've received and it doesn't have to be attributed to a specific person just something that's really helped you over the years? Yeah, I mean, I've been got, I've gotten a lot of good advice over the years. I mean, I guess the one, I just, I just, I'll bring this one up only because I was just recently um, talking about it with somebody around, uh, around a, around a dinner table recently, but um, it was actually advice I got when I was moving into Nanaimo and trying to figure out where I was going to you know, how, what, how I was going to launch my business, you know, what brokerage I was going to affiliate with, all that sort of stuff. And the advice I got from a managing broker in in uh, in Nanaimo uh, was, you want to be where the action is. And that was really all I kind of used. I was like, huh, he sounded like he really meant that. He, you know, there was a lot of things he could have told me and he just kept circling back to you want to be where the action is. You want to be where the action is. So that's, you know, that, that I took that advice and looking back, that advice helped me a lot because if I think about where I was go, where my mind was before I got that advice, it would have not have worked out the way I thought it was at the time. So, you know, be where the action is, is probably good advice for all of us. Good. I love it. Uh, next one, favorite app, can't be email, can't be word processor because we get too many of those. Yeah, everyone likes G, G Suites. Uh, I'm a big fan of. I don't use a lot of apps. I'm mostly, like I said, I use it. I'm a G Suite guy, but mostly business administration tools. Um, I'll, I'll take, I, I have uh, got one of these aura rings about two years ago. So there's an app that comes with this aura ring, uh, tracks all your sleep data, your resting heart rate, your, your heart, uh, heart rate variability, a whole bunch of factors. And it, uh, every morning you wake up, it gives you a readiness score. 
and a sleep score so you can stay really focused on two important metrics. And uh, man, it has really helped me learn about um, you know what lifestyle behaviors can have a, a real negative impact on your recovery and on your sleep. And like, I mean, I'm not uh, much of a, I don't, I'm not a big drinker, but uh, I'm not afraid of having a few drinks. Like you have two ounces of alcohol um, and it's going to show up on your scores in a pretty big way. You know, that feeling of like, man, I slept eight hours last night, but I'm still tired. It's the alcohol. And, uh, and the app shows you exactly what impact it's having on your biometrics and, and it influences my behavior in a positive way. So I'd say that app in the last two years has had the biggest impact on my quality of life. Awesome. Yeah. Can confirm the sleep tracking critical, I believe, uh, for getting the most out of yourself. Very last question for you. Favorite restaurant at Vancouver Island? Ooh, man, there's a lot. Um, you know what? I'll just uh, top of mind. Uh, last night for the first time, I tried out uh, Harang up in North Nanaimo. It's a brand new um, Korean restaurant. It's actually owned and operated uh, by the people that run Nori, which is typically Nanaimo's uh, most popular sushi joint in the North End. So they uh, opened up a Korean restaurant, went there last night with a friend, and it was uh, it was awesome. Great menu and, and uh, just a unique dining experience. So if you haven't been there, I'd say that's, if you're in Nanaimo in the North End, by uh, sort of by Costco there in the brick, it's worth checking out. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. Sponsored by Coastal Community Credit Union. Who's helping you take care of your financial health? Visit cccu.ca for more information.